set big goals, big scary goals are the only way to potentially achieve them. Everything can change. We have the inherent capacity as human beings to choose every moment of our life. Or would you would you call the bottom? Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah, it's a really dark I mean, place. I was thinking one of two things. I'm either going to change my life or I'm going to end it. Yeah, I, that's where I was at that moment. Uh, my definition of confidence is to know, love, and trust yourself. Nobody shamed their way into a place of, of health and ease and peace and a better life, right? So, and, and there's also really good research to support that the approach of shaming uh, for someone in their weight has the opposite impact. So for me, it is always honoring each person's unique story. I was told I would never walk again. And I was told that I was supposed to accept that new normal. And so when you start to take all that into consideration, you realize indeed, you know, every kindergarten classroom is going to see some 30% of it already affected by the time you're in middle school. Uh, you're seeing, you know, 40 to 50% of that, that child population dealing with a chronic disorder. And what it's really showing is that these children are now being raised in the, on a planet that is not inhabitable to life in the same way that it was just a few decades in the past and had been for hundreds of thousands of years of human history. So when you learn to be accountable for your results in the gym or for your fitness and health, you're really learning how to be accountable for your results outside and you can translate that to success in life, in anything you want to achieve. I, I think that if we had better understanding of this is what you do to be a, a healthier individual we won't be in the crisis that we're in where everybody's afraid and sick chiropractic brought out that potential so it was you know no hope chiropractic restored it and it, it literally changed the trajectory of his life his potential and ours because now every single day of my life i am reminded of this miracle that chiropractic provides what the hell is it that we're doing out here <laughs> and 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 the answer that Nate had come up with is we're all just trying to figure out our human potential. As long as you're trying, then that's all that matters. And yeah, there has to be that balance of I don't want to hurt myself even more, but there's always room to kind of push that envelope and your body will tell you um, if you've pushed it too far. The greater the healed trauma, the greater the gift that you have to share with the world. And so... I always encourage people to just go inside and and to tap into themselves. And obviously, I really encourage people to get adjusted because it's just incredible the shift that can happen in the body and the, and the state of consciousness. Well, touch is not only the universal language of love and healing. And when I say love, you know, I don't want people to hear it love as romantic love. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about true love, uh, the touch of a grandfather putting his hand on the grandchild that is upset about something. That is healing and that is pure love. There is no romantic love there. This is a very pure, unconditional love. So throughout the ages, touch has been the natural modality for healing. What's up, life changers, healers, deep feelers, and hope dealers? The Life Alive podcast is the voice for people to share their healing stories and a resource for you to tap into your higher love and human potential. This is your host, Doc Schrock. Let's heal, grow, and flow.
Arno Bernier, Master Chiropractor and Speaker. Arno has empowered thousands of doctors of chiropractic and chiropractic students to transform their adjusting technique into an art form and to raise their level of professionalism to the highest level. He developed mastery, love, and service seminars to refine an innovative way of adjusting by bringing the neurospinal system to a state of peace and ease while chiropractors work with people. Essentially, Arno has mapped out a way to help people walk through a path of mastery to develop, to develop their authentic practice and express their heart of service. Arno, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome. Ryan, I'm delighted and I'm very grateful you invited me. Hmm. I am looking forward to this conversation. Uh, today is a little bit different for my listener audience. What we are doing is going through some of the healing themes that have been discussed thus far on the show. So we have talked about with uh, previous guests, uh, their bottoms, um, even to the bottom of, I'm either going to change my life or I don't want to be here. Those kind of bottoms to... Uh, really just parents' concerns of uh, expressing their choice of what they want to do with their body. So we've talked a little bit about medical freedom on this show. We've uh, also hit on understanding how mindset plays a really key role in healing. Um, I've talked to some performance athletes about defining goals and what success is individually to each person. Uh, we've actually also talked about taking accountability and how that translates into your whole life. It touches every aspect of your whole life. Um, and also gaining confidence to know, love, and trust yourself in the capacity for your body to heal on its own. And so, so those are some of the themes that we've touched on, Arno. Um, Arno has been uh, a chiropractor for over 40 years, and he has a, his own life experience that we'll touch on a little bit today. Essentially, what I'm always trying to present on this podcast, Arno, is finding the ba balance between discovering our human potential and also being able to tap into our body and listen to when our body's saying, hey, this is my limit for right now. And so I think there's some incredible capacity to heal in just healing, uh, hearing healing stories. And so that's kind of my aim today is to honor each unique person on their healing path. But for your you being on the show, what I really, my first question with your 40 experience, 40 years of experience in the healing field. Yes, we all have our own individual journey, but can you walk us through some universal concepts of healing or examples of how the body heals? If someone is new to new to what healing is. Absolutely. I think that's very important. And I'm glad you mentioned that because otherwise people think, well, this happened to me. Uh, but I'm different than somebody else. And as you say, there is an underlying fundamental uh, healing process that takes place in everyone, regardless of age, regardless of race, colors, belief system, and so on. And the reality is that healing is a biological process that is similar for everyone. And healing is essentially six cell or damaged cell, or injured cell, dying, being replaced by a new one. And people need to know that every cell in the body has a specific lifespan and will go through that life cycle and then die, became obsolete, replaced by a new one. So what's interesting is that the body, being very intelligently designed, 
different structures and tissues in the body have a completely different rate of cellular turnover. Basically, the lifespan of cells depend on different tissue. For example, the skin replaces itself every seven days. So a skin cell lives for seven days and dies, but a red blood cell lives for 120 days and dies. Liver cells, you know, the liver basically replenishes itself and regrows itself brand new every three months. So we need to know that there is a turnover of tissue and the rate of turnover is different depending on whether you injured the skin, a muscle, a ligament, a tendon, or a bone. And needless to say that the way the body was designed intelligently is that the deeper you go into the body's structure, the slower the repair process. So the skin cell repair very fast, and we all know that. We have a cut, we give it a bit of time, it starts to heal and repair. But you cut a bone or you damage a bone, you're looking at actually 36 months process to have the bone restored to its original integrity and more. And the reason I say and more, because if you had a broken bone, it will take 36 months for the full healing process to take place. Yet the scar in quote tissue around that bone is actually stronger than the original bone. So that is across the border available to every single human being. So people need to know that within themselves, there is a power, an intelligence, a know-how that can repair the tissue because in many ways, it created them in the first place, if you think about it. I mean, we all, Ryan, you know that very well. We all came back from a hyper-microscopic dot, invisible to the naked eye. And in that dot was the knowledge to create bone, ligament, tissues, spleen, liver, pancreas, gallbladder, heart, brain tissue, and so on. If it can create it then, created it back then, it certainly can recreate it today. And another thing that people may not know about healing is that healing is taking place constantly in our body without being us being sick or injured because the tissues of the body replace themselves constantly. And I don't know if it's a funny thing to say, but every seven years, we have a brand new body as far as the cells. All the cells of the body that were there seven years ago are gone. So I always joke saying, you know, if you're married, every seven years you have a new wife. So no need to get divorced to get a new model, right? You can stay in the game and you have a new wife every seven days. So yeah. anyhow, that's, that's a universal, universality of the healing process. It's universal. Yeah. And something that I know about your healing story, I'm always really interested in some moment of someone's life that changed the course of it forever. And I know that your first chiropractor said something that influenced you for the course of the rest of your life. Can you take us through the experience of, well, you showing up as a a younger uh, person in in his office and then what he said to you and how that's kind of started your healing journey. So people have some background about you. Yeah, that was a magical, very powerful moment. Uh, At the time I was 23 years old. Uh, I used to race motorcycle as an amateur racer, as a hobby. And I had a crash on the racetrack that led me to have specific symptom, loss of sensation and strength on the right side of my body and chronic 
migraine headaches. So uh, after a period of time, someone told my mother, we were, we were in, I was living in Paris at the time in France, and someone told my mother, you know, maybe he should go see a specialist from America. They deal with the spine and nerve system. I never heard of the word chiropractic. I'd never heard of the word chiropractor. In 1973, there was 90 chiropractors in the entire country of France for 55 million people. So I went into this man named Jean Belaval's office, and after listening to my symptomatology, to my, what had happened to my body, he listened to, to it very intently, very calmly, very present. And then he said to me, there is nothing that I can do about what's wrong with you. What I can do, however, is address what is right in you. And then he said, you cannot fight darkness, you must turn on the light. You cannot fight disease, you must turn on life. And that at the time, those three sentences were spoken with such clarity, such charisma, such power, that it ignited something in my consciousness. And in that moment, retroactively, I realized that it was in that moment that I said, I don't know what this man is doing, but whatever this man is doing, that's what I will be doing with my life. And those three sentences have stayed with me through my entire chiropractic career to this day. And I remind myself all the time, uh, I don't know if you know that, Ryan, but about four years ago, uh, I had cancer of the humerus and I went with Jane, my wife, to Denver to uh, an oncologist orthopedist because my elbow was completely destroyed by the cancer. And he said, you know, we need to do chemotherapy and radiation. And if you don't do it, you'll be back here. That was in June. You'll be back here in November and we'll have to cut your arm off. And at that point, Jane and I looked at each other. We got up. We said, thank you very much. And we walked out. And I designed my own protocol of healing, totally naturally, never did the chemo, never did the radiation, and that is now five years ago. So uh, I'm very clear that those sentences from my chiropractor kept me on track. Don't fight the darkness, turn on the light. So in designing a protocol for me to heal from that, I decided I was going to shock my physiology. I was going to do something so drastic, so different than what I was doing every day of my life. And as you know, I've had an impeccable, very healthy lifestyle dedicated to my fitness, to my health, uh, to taking care of myself. But nevertheless, I said, if that had allowed cancer to develop in my body, I need to do something different. Because if I keep doing the same thing, I, won't, I will have the exact same outcome. So I designed a protocol for myself to shock my physiology. And I did that, and I had my blood monitored regularly. And within a year to a year and a half, I think time-wise, uh, I was clear of any cancer marker. And the shadow on the bone had disappeared. Wow. What were some of the life-changing perspectives that you gained from that experience? Because that may not be everyone's journey, but like you said, you were very clear and it started with him, him saying, I, I'm addressing what's right in you and, and some, something in that woke, woke you up, your consciousness, right? Right. What has your 
perspective change been since going, being really faced with a life or death situation like that? Well, the process was interesting. And I think people that have gone through something similar can relate. When you're first diagnosed with cancer, you know, osteosarcoma, osteomyeloma, uh, the mind immediately goes into facing mortality. And then for me, and I think many people can relate to this, I was only thinking about the cancer eating my bones from within and potentially metastasis to other parts of my body, to other bones. So that was my, for months, that was my regular loop in my brain. It was constantly running. And then suddenly I caught myself and I said, wow, you're only thinking about going downhill. And I caught myself and I said, I'm only going to think about life and vitality. And the moment that I did this, I could interact with anyone, talk about my situation, but the cancer was no longer belonging to me. It was almost now I was in charge of my vitality, of my life, of my body. And the cancer was an outside thing that I was completely detached from. I had no emotional, mental energy going towards, towards, it, towards it at all. All of my mental, emotional, and spiritual energy and physical energy was directed towards my vitality. So that has been the number one shift that took place. And then I said, if I'm going to commit to this, I'm going to commit 100%. And you have known me for a number of years, and you know how amazingly disciplined and rigorous I am with my training and workout and lifestyle. And I did the same thing in designing a protocol to shock my physiology. I did the same dedication. I virtually dedicated every single moment of my day for a year and a half to this is what I'm doing, watching my thought process, watching my diet, watching my exercise, my breath work, my cryotherapy, you name it, my meditation. So that's what I did. I went full out. And I think that's a key element. And I remember reading over the years books on spontaneous remission and spontaneous healing. And nearly everyone said it wasn't the diet. It wasn't the chemotherapy. It wasn't this protocol. It wasn't going to see this doctor. It is when suddenly I took full charge of my healing and full accountability and responsibility for my healing. That's when something shifted. And you've been teaching other this, I know from being a student of yours and you being one of my mentors is um, you have taught this over and over and um, translated it in different ways of communication to, to students and to both chiropractors being people that are, are laying hands on people. And uh, over and over again, I, I um, go back to you saying like, what kind of chiropractor, what kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be an average person? Do you want to be an excellent uh, chiropractor? Do you want to be an extraordinary chiropractor? And I think that translates into upstream a little bit. And you can tell, tell us uh, the accountability piece is that um, another guest on the show talked about uh, her training regimen in the gym. And she's a personal trainer. And she said, you know, when you start to discipline yourself and when you start to hold yourself accountable in this discipline, it starts to 
touch every aspect of your life. So tell me in your own experience of this, what, how big of a part of that is taking accountability, but also how that translates into the rest of your life? Well, when you start to take accountability for your own health and your own healing, it's truly a moment-by-moment awareness of decisions that you're making. Do I want to abuse my body right now by taking this food that is not appropriate for me, that is junk food, full of sugar or whatever? Do I want to have another drink at a party? And I think there is a balance in everything. You don't have to be dogmatic or extremist. I never touch alcohol because I'm into health and healing. No, it's appropriate to have a glass of wine with dinner. It's appropriate to have at a celebration to have a drink or so. But there is a, a constant awareness. Do I need another drink? No, I feel great right now. Another drink is not going to do any better. If anything, it's going to get me on the other side of feeling you know, great. So to go back to what you were asking, it is a moment-by-moment awareness that you have about what are my thought process. What am I watching right now on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever? Is it beneficial for my being or is it destructive to my being? Is it constructive? As BJ Palmer, the developer of chiropractic, stated, does it build constructive, positive survival values or does it accumulate negative, destructive survival values? In other words, does it build up my health account or does it put me in debt? Mm-hmm. And I think that's... That's the process. Uh, once you commit, whether it's like it's a fitness, the person you're referring to, that train in the gym, that commitment, yeah, it, it impacts every moment of your life. The commitment that we have in chiropractic to living a healthy lifestyle and to living by example to empower our client when they see us, that they see a vibrant, dynamic, fit person taking care of them, living by example, that is very impactful, but it's a moment-by-moment decision. It impacts every moment of your life. And to me, personally, and I'm not saying it has to be for, for anybody else, but to me personally, it's a spiritual responsibility that I have to myself, and it is a civic responsibility that I have to society mm. because I am a cell in the body of humanity. And the more there is healthy cell in the body of humanity, the better off we are as a species. I agree. What is a tool, a practical tool, if someone's new to, well, let me go back. I I think that uh, we're taught that uh, you don't worry about that moment to moment awareness we have a health system that will meet you where you are in a crisis and we, we will take care of that pain. We will, we know we will cut it out when in doubt and all these different ways that our healthcare system is set up in, and not in a bad way, meaning like that there's, that's an emergency system and there's well-meaning people in it. However, I think that uh, what we grow up with, dominantly at least here in the u.s is that don't worry about that moment to moment awareness um don't worry about your body's capacity to heal will fix you or will take that pain away so how does that play into um someone 
picking up a tool or an exercise to learn how to start to know, love, and trust their own being and their own body instead of that reliability. It seems like almost a, a built-in reliability almost in our the fabric of our society, and it's not always as ideal as it's pictured on TV. You know, people in a Viagra commercial running through the field happy. Right. So... Yeah, there is a lot to that question. I think the first thing underlying all this is we have to recognize that there is a time and place for medicine. And that being said, we have to recognize also that medicine is widely abused, misused, and overused. That's the key to understand. We have to also know for the public that what we call healthcare in this country is actually symptom, sickness, and disease care. It has nothing to do with health. It's again focusing on the darkness rather than turning on the light. And one thing that I've learned over the years by studying healing, well-being, health, is that whatever you put your energy into grows bigger. You put your energy into sickness and disease, it will grow bigger. And the proof is in the pudding, we have more sickness and disease today in this country than anywhere else in the world because we spend so much money, time, energy, expertise, technology on fighting sickness and disease rather than promoting health, healing, and well-being. I can only imagine, Ryan, what would take place if those billions of dollars every year were spent on educating the public on how to live a healthy lifestyle, how to be self-responsible and accountable for their own health and well-being, how to inspire people to make the right decision every day about how they live, what they put into their body, how to exercise regularly, how to engage in what I call positive, true health care. For example, you know, we are chiropractors, so I don't want to single out chiropractic, but you can use acupuncture, for example, in a proactive, true, positive health care. You don't have to be sick to have your channel, your subtle channels of energy open up with the acupuncture treatment. You can go to a massage therapist, not because you are sick, not because you have an ache or a pain, but because it's good for the human body to receive a massage on a regular basis. You can have good nutrition every day, not because you are sick, but because it's positive for human physiology. Chiropractic on a regular basis is positive for human physiology. So what would happen if indeed, you know, we were to spend those trillions of dollars educating people about having a healthy lifestyle, how to heal naturally from various conditions? That will be a game changer. Mm -hmm. So I think that's very important to move in that direction. And I believe that your generation, my generation, are dropping very heavy pebble or rocks in the pond of human consciousness that the next upcoming true healthcare system is about taking care of ourselves on a regular basis, whether sick or well, by doing something positive every day. I want to bring up something that I just saw today and then read a quote about touch that you, um, that I have here. 
we were we're following a friend very closely who's ill in the hospital and her husband was not able to get to her um for several days trying to combat the restrictions on on visitors and such and he posted a video today and he said watch he said i was not here and this is what her oxygen levels are this is this monitor is showing the brain activity going on within her even though she was sedated and he said, watch, I've been in here telling her I love her and telling her memories of our lives and, and rubbing her arms and touching her legs and holding her hand. And sure enough, he held this up and he touched her hand and the monitors, you could see them when he was saying certain things, they were changing and it was amazing. And so I want to, I want to hear, I want to read this quote and then, uh, Hopefully we can talk a little bit about touch. This quote is from you. It says, touch is the universal language of love. We can touch with our hands, our hearts, with our deeds, with our presence. What is important is to touch. Chiropractic is all about touch, all about love. So this is something everyone can do with family members and with um, significant others is how important is touch in healing? in general, just touch? Well, touch is not only the universal language of love and healing, and when I say love, you know, I don't want people to hear it love as romantic love. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about true love, uh, the touch of a grandfather putting his hand on the grandchild that is upset about something. That is healing and that is pure love. There is no romantic love there. This is a very pure, unconditional love. So throughout the ages, touch has been the natural modality for healing. But also it's instinctive, intuitive modalities that we use for healing. When a child runs to its mother and says, Mommy, I've got a headache, and they have their hand on their forehead, intuitively, that child had put their hand on their forehead or have a toothache and they put their hand on the jaw. Or, you know, I hurt myself and they're holding their thumb that has been smashed with a hammer. So it's an intuitive response that we have. But unfortunately, in our society, we say, well, you know, take this pill or let me look at it and then let's put a Band-Aid on it rather than why don't you leave your hand there and let the magnetic, loving energy of the hand heal the body and entrain the cell and comfort the cell and build that healing energy. So we know today that many studies have been done with hands-on healing. Reiki people, Reiki now is a discipline that has swept throughout the world, which is laying of the hand and allowing the healing energy to pass from one person into the other. And what we know through different studies, for example, is that the recovery time and the time spent in the hospital is shortened when people receive hands-on healing. So in our profession, the hands, as you know, is part of a triune of a symbol of our profession, hands, heart, and mind, basically, which is to be connected to our soul with an open heart and to use a hand to adjust people and clear the neurospinal system. 
So the hands have always been the methodology of healing. And also, as we all know, so it's a methodology of lovemaking. So it's a very important component that we have cast aside for technology. What amazes me with modern medicine is that, as you mentioned, there is plenty of people that have highly dedicated, very good intention, but they will walk into the room of a person in ICU and they don't even look at the person. They go straight to looking at the data and the monitor. And sometime, and I've seen it with my own brother-in-law when he was in the dying process, that to anyone, it was obvious that the man was gone. But he was kept alive through artificial means. Blood pressure went down. Let's shoot it up with a drug that brings the blood pressure back up. Heart rate is down. Let's shoot him with a drug to bring the heart rate up. And so on and so forth. Swelling in the body. Let's bring something to bring the swelling down. Mechanically addressing his body in relationship to the data on the monitor, rather than looking at the person and really tuning in to the physiology of that person. And we we see the same thing around the birthing process when women goes into a hospital to give birth. The attendant are more concerned about the data on the monitor than tuning in to that woman's physiology and where is she at in that process. So I think it's very important to return to the foundation and the basis of healing, which is, you know, connection, presence, touch, and sure, in certain instances, we need the technology and it's life-saving, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Uh, But let's not forget the foundation of it all. Yeah. You really answered my question that I was going to go back to is what's an exercise or a tool that people could use. And I like that hand, mind and heart, because that no matter what you use your hands for in life, whether it's being the greatest mom you can be or being a plumber or being a doctor, you can you want to try. Are you you saying it's it's good to try to marry those parts of of yourself in what in what you do in life? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you look at the, the intuitive response of a mother that hear or see their baby being challenged with an illness or some discomfort. What do they do intuitively? They pick up the child to bring her the child against her chest, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, in doing that, there is a bond that is recreated. Or that was a bond of pregnancy, right? That was a bond of the early stages of lactation and breastfeeding. And she's creating that bond again, and her physiology totally overwhelms and engulfs the, the baby's physiology and re-entrains that physiology into a healthy state. And also, it's giving the child reassurance and comfort so that that baby can come back into ease. So there is a lot of things that we do intuitively, but then we go like, oh, oh maybe, maybe I should go to the doctor, and suddenly the fear enters the mind rather than trusting that, wow, that baby came out of me. It was created out of one dot in nine months, creating all of the parts, the systems, the organs, the tissues. And now it's out of me. But the intelligence that created that body did not leave my baby the moment it came out of the birth canal. It's just still with my baby every moment of the day. So we have to go back to you know, common sense. 
oh, how it's so uncommon at <laughs> certain times yeah. <laughs> during yeah. our lives right now. Oh, wow. Um, someone did, someone did, I do want to hit on this because, um, it's been mentioned several times without us directly talking about it, but the, uh, mental health aspect or the, the mindset aspect, do you see that being a key role in healing and, um, what's a way that like, let's just use your, your experience for instance, what's a way that after you face your mortality, uh, or, or your mind went there and then you started to shift into, uh, I'm going to think life, health, and vitality. What, uh, what kind of process in your mind and how important is that, that you went through? Well, that was to a, start that. that was a very much a turning point to make that shift. But prior to that, and even prior to me having this challenge, which by the way, for the listener, they may say, well, how come you live such a healthy lifestyle, so disciplined, taking care of yourself, and then you end up having cancer of the humerus? I truly know for sure that there was two factors involved in creating that process in my body. One was a motorcycle crash years and years ago where I ripped my arm open all the way down to the muscle from my elbow down up to my shoulder, and I let it heal completely naturally, and it is not impossible that the healing process kept on going and actually went to my bone. It's a possibility. Sometimes cancer is an overhealing response from the body. But I believe that a critical component was something that happened to my neck uh, when Jane and I were uh, at the Taylor Reservoir outside Aspen. And then we rode our bicycle all the way into Aspen. And then I bought a leather jacket for Jane and rode back carrying the leather jacket in one arm for about 20 some miles of mountain biking. Mm -hmm. And following that moment, I had it locked in my neck. I couldn't turn my head to the right. And for three or four years, I could not get rid of it. And I could feel the sensation of a nerve being compressed and electricity going down into my arm. And I believe that that blockage of my nerve system devitalized the bone and created that situation. So to go back to your question about the mental state, before this even happened, years ago, I realized I'm off the TV. I'm off the media completely because it is just feeding my psyche and my mind with garbage, with negativity, with fear, and mostly with lies. So I think that's the first step is to completely disconnect from the media. That does not mean that you are blind to the world. Anyone can keep themselves up to date as to the major event by just walking down the street and in those boxes where they sell a newspaper, look at the major headline. You don't have to open up the newspaper. You just know pretty much where the nation is going and what's going on. And if something very important that you should know about, you know what? Somebody will tell you. You don't have to go look fishing for it. And to listen to that negativity at 6 o'clock, at 7 o'clock, at 9 o'clock, at 10 o'clock, and again the next morning in the newspaper and a week later in a magazine. So we are being fed negativity around the clock. To disconnect from that and to really make the, cha the choice, I'm going to expose myself to something positive. 
I'm going to read great books. I'm going to watch very specific documentaries or movies that are uplifting, that feed my mind, my brain, my mental state in a positive way. Mm. I think that's key. So it's a discipline again. It's a choice. Yeah. Moment to moment awareness. Yeah. Of course. Let's go over to discuss something a little bit different. Cause I think this is a really unique thing for, um, for people to think about what their own definition of this is. And I remember you saying that you had your own definition of success, um, in one of the seminar videos and it says it's the number of lives you touch while elevating their consciousness as it relates to life, health, healing, and well-being. How did you come to that definition for your, for yourself? Well, simply coming into chiropractic, uh, in 1973, when I entered chiropractic college, the president of the college welcomed us and said, you know, you're coming into this institution to become a doctor of chiropractic. And I want to clarify that the title doctor in this situation is not like a doctor of medicine, uh, somebody that is supposed to fix or treat people. Doctor means also teacher. And doctor of chiropractic means being a teacher of the philosophy and science of chiropractic, which is basically teaching life principle, the laws of life that govern all of nature and we are part of nature. So that to me in practice became a focal point where I saw other practices in chiropractic that uh, saw a lot of people, but no education. As a result, their client were using chiropractic as in quote, a drug, a medication or an aspirin, even though it was natural, mm -hmm. a way to fix themselves. And I thought that's not changing the behavior of people. That is not changing the dominant paradigm of society. What I want to do is transform human consciousness in relationship to life, health, healing, wellness, and well-being. And I set myself on a path to give talks every two weeks in my office to basically deprogram people, de-educate people about the misconception that they had about health and about healing and about well what well-being and wellness truly is about. So that's a path that I got myself into. And over the years, I realized that even though it is new to society, a new concept, I had a vision that down the line, whether it's in 50 years or 100 years from now, that will be the dominant way that human beings behave. We will not wait for us to get sick we will not wait for us to be diagnosed with an illness. We will start taking care of ourselves from day one in a proactive, positive way. So I set myself to basically plant seeds and create a new consciousness around health, life, healing, wellness, and well-being. There's almost like this biological imperative, if you want to say, that we're almost meant to evolve that way towards that instead of uh what sometimes we we see is like well it well, all i see is that you know it's like well smoking was bad but now you've got vaping and you it's like something replaces the bad that used to be not as bad you know like you used to see a, a doctor smoking on tv and now it's like you would never see that 
And so it, it just, it, it's interesting that there seems to be this, the, I don't want to say two sides, but there's a, there's a lightness in the darkness to, to health is that the darkness sometimes is that we, we try to fight it and we try to take shortcuts and not listen into our body. And the light part is what you're talking about, this imperative, this draw from us that everybody wants to be as, as alive as they can. Everybody wants to be as healthy as they can, even if they, they don't act like it, it seems like it, there's something in with every human being that wants function and vitality and they want to be able to do the things that they want to do in life. Right. So that brings me to my next question. We talked a little bit about biological healing in the beginning and to, to kind of land the plane here, so to speak, I've heard you talk about the difference between biological healing and core healing at times. Can you, Tell us the difference between biological healing, what you were talking about earlier, and, and what's what you refer to as core healing. Right. So biological healing, to refresh the mind of the listener, is just a body healing itself on a physical level. Tissues mm-hmm. that are damaged or diseased or pathologically affected, replacing themselves with healthier cells. And after a while, there is a turnover of tissue and the body heals itself. If it's from an injury, you have a broken bone, yeah, you may put it into a cast, but nevertheless, there is osteoblastic, osteoclastic activity, which means the removal of damaged bone tissue and the replacement of with new bone tissue. So that's biological, physiological healing. Core healing is healing the being inside the car. The body okay. is basically a vehicle through which, in which we live as a human being. So imagine basically a car and a driver in the car. So now you may have to fix the car. There is a bent bumper. There is a rusted panel someplace. There is a shock absorber that be, needs to be aligned or whatever. That's healing. That's biological healing. But the person inside the human body, that being has to be healed also. So we have people, for example, that die of cancer, but in the process of cancering, during all the years that they're cancering, they are doing inner work to heal themselves, to heal their inner wounds, to get rid of their baggages, to get rid of their armoring. That's core healing. And the reverse is true. There is people that may heal of cancer and nothing has changed. They are just as messed up internally, as wounded internally as they were before. So people have to be aware that there is two very specific components, biological healing and core healing. Every single human being on the, pla- on the planet is being wounded at some point, some time of another in their life, through the five basic wounds of humanity. Humiliation, abandonment, betrayal, injustice, and rejection. Hmm. If anyone listening look at their lives, they have had one of those five basic wounds. They are built within the design of life so that we can do the inner work to heal those wounds. Hmm. You know, I look at my two children, 
that have been adopted from Korea, of course they have the wound of abandonment. Of course they have the wound of injustice. Of course they have the wound of rejection. Of course they have the wound the wound of betrayal. So they need to do that work at some point in their lives. They have to do that work. We yep. all do. I can identify with that personally because I'm adopted and I have <laughs> yeah. done a lot of work around this and it and it really hit me in the face hard when I when I got into practice, not only because it's such an intimate, meaning close, you know, uh, hands-on uh, profession that I am in, but there's a lot of things that came up to me of like wanting to help people, but there was also an aspect of me that I did not, no matter what, I did not want that person to leave. I wanted them to like me and I did, and there would kept this cycle up of, I feel abandoned, but I really couldn't put my finger on it for a long time of what that word was or what I was feeling. And I essentially was doing some work with a therapist at one point and he was able to uh, bring me back to like a 30,000% uh, foot perspective of my life. And he said, that part of you, not all of you, not who you really are, that part of you felt left. And so then we were just with that and I journaled a lot about it and I could just really connect to this core healing is that we all have this work. And oftentimes, like for me, I, I didn't know that I had that, what seemed to be this from the beginning cellular wound of like, I don't know why I even had it. I, I didn't even know it was there for a long time. I wasn't even aware of it. Right. And so when it came up and it usually comes, I found just through, uh, seeing other people go through this process too, even in my office, their own healing processes of uh, usually a transition or a life change or something, something changes. That's the, the constant in life is that it's always changing. Something brings it up, something triggers that. And then that's like you said, I don't think these wounds are necessarily in the way. I think they're on the way in life and, and it's our choice to be able to, to, heal the core of that right now this is the this you're saying there because you can you can look at yourself as a victim of those wounds or you mm -hmm. can see them as an opportunity for your own transformation and growth yep and how i've i mean personally just to finish my thought how i've anyone that's listening that's gone through something like this so you don't have to be in an adoption situation to feel abandoned um i think these a, a lot of these are universal um but I also like the gift in that is that love and connection to people runs deeper than just blood because I, although I know my biological mother, I don't know my biological father. And so my family has become people that I've just connected with over time and over my life. And it's shown me that just because you're not blood related doesn't mean that there's not a sense in my soul that I'm related, like even to, to your son, Boo, you know, when we came together and became friends, that was something that we had uh, a similar experience that we had in common that, uh, you know, told me someone came along in my life, say, you're not alone. You're not alone in this. And I think that that's 
uh, part of the reason that I do this podcast is because I want people to have a variety of different stories to hear from and people to hear from. And hopefully that person listening goes, oh, me too. And I'm not alone in that. And so uh, thank you for bringing that up because the the core healing part and, and the five wounds is, is so crucial to us growing as people. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife said in the very first interview, and I'm so, this is like full circle. This is amazing. It happened this way. Uh, her quote from her story that really stuck out to me was our wounds can become our greatest gifts to, to share with the world. And so, um, do you mind sharing what, what your thoughts are about that? How, how someone's, um, a wound can become a gift because that might be seem foreign to other people. Absolutely. I mean, the wound, all the wounds are the gift. Uh, and to me, I may want to go there. Uh, my sister is one of the most wounded person that I know uh, because of the tragic events of her life where she was sexually violated uh, in absolutely atrocious way from the time she was two years old until she was 12 years old on a regular basis. Uh, so I saw in her a woman, a human being that was destroyed and how in the 70 some years of her life, she climbed out of that hole of despair of having a sense of self that was nothing but what she called a mop because that was her sense of self. Somebody, a piece of junk that clean up urine and human excrement. That oh, was you said thing. mop. Sorry, you cut out there for a minute, like a a mop for cleaning. Yeah, exactly. And when uh, I see now today where she is and the transformation, that instead of seeing herself as a victim of that situation, she saw it as an opportunity to transform herself and to heal herself. And I remember when she was about 60-some years old, I asked her, Florence, would you do anything different if you could change your life? And she said, I would not change a damn thing. Now, how many people of repeated sexual abuse, I'm not talking about a one-time rape, but absolutely atrocious torture sexually that she encountered from a step-grandfather that he himself was deeply wounded as a human being, obviously, to commit such basically crimes, uh, that she came out of that and transformed her life because she made the decision at one point I will use all this violation as a gift and an enzyme for my transformation. Um, And I'm sorry if I become emotional, but my sister has been my hero. Mm. Uh, You know, she became a drug user, a prostitute, tried to commit suicide a number of times. But she is my example and my hero because I don't know that many human beings that have come back from where she was to who she has become. So the wound is a gift. And when I looked at my life uh, and I looked at the different wounds that I've had, like everybody else, and being able to use those wounds as an enzyme for my own transformation, I, I go like, absolutely. You know, you can be a victim or go, huh, I was giving an opportunity for healing. And that's a choice that people have to make And it's very empowering when people go, 
it wasn't my fault. I was an infant. I was violated. But I can run that story for the rest of my life, or I can make the decision that I'm going to use this as an enzyme and a catalyst for my own transformation. And that's spectacular. When people go there, actually, and with my sister, it was hard for her to get there because at some point in her life, I remember telling her, you know, Florence, there is one thing to forgive the perpetrator. There is another thing to go to the next step, which is to give gratitude to the perpetrator. That's the final step in healing. Hmm. When you can say, I, I am grateful that that person violated me and give me this tool for my own transformation. That's when you really have come full circle into total completion of the healing process. Hmm. That's beautiful. I agree. And to even be able to be a witness to your sister, you know, it's sometimes rare for family members to even let other family members into that space. And so that's just, uh, it's wonderful that you, you've been able to witness that. And I'm happy that in the end, she's, she was in a better place. She's in a lot better place. We we all have that choice. Yeah, exactly. We all have that choice. Powerful. Well, thank you for being on the podcast today. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm just in gratitude for, uh, being able to learn from you today. Uh, I'm so happy that, uh, this interview is going to go out and hopefully touch someone that needs to, to hear. I, I also have realized that just, you know, being inserted in a, in a way in people's lives as a doctor, but also as a teacher that hearing very, very private things that uh, some of the things you just don't think that you'll ever hear um, when you're going through training is that I've found that for every fist, you know, that comes into someone's life, some, some closed hand that harms someone, there's also an open hand there to help. There's a, a person there to help. There's um, there's, uh, there, someone there to help you heal. And there's always light if there's dark and if there's evil, and if there's a closed fist, there's some, somebody there with an open hand. So mm-hmm. I hope that this interview was an open hand for someone today. Um, and thank you for being on, on life live podcast, Arno. Thank you so much for doing yeah. this. It's very valuable. And, you know, I want to express my gratitude to you because it's allowed me to expand my message out into the world Uh, you know my generation was not there was no social media there was no podcast and all this so we had to do it in person with an audience in front of us and the outreach was not as much as today that's available through a podcast like this or the social media so i'm very very grateful to you we can continue to plant seeds together i said if i'm going to use social media and i'm going to use a podcast i'm going to use it for positivity, vitality, and to spread light to someone else. Wonderful. Yep. Wonderful. And there we grow again, Life Alive tribe. I'm so grateful you stopped by to journey into someone else's life so you can heal, grow, and find your flow into a life that has meaning. No matter where you are right now, 
It's time to pick your chin up, roll your shoulders back, and say, I choose to live a life totally alive. What's up, Life Alive Tribe? This is Doc Schrock. This podcast is brought to you by Life Alive Chiropractic. Nothing heard in this podcast should be substituted for the advice and or clinical judgment of your doctor. If you are local on the Front Range of Colorado, we are available here as a health resource or for consultation. You may reach us at Cairo. C-H-I-R-O.com, www.lifealivecairo.com. And remember, tribe, we are here for you.